Welcome to another American Bankruptcy Institute podcast. I'm Sam Giordano, ABI Executive Director. Private equity is well established as an element of finance in the U.S. and world economies, and particularly important to the distressed debt market. Navigating the terrain of distressed investing can be treacherous, so you need experienced field guides to identify the best opportunities and execute the right strategy to maximize recoveries. With me today to discuss current issues in private equity are two principals from Gordian Group, an investment bank based in New York City. Deriving its name from the Gordian Knot, Gordian specializes in resolving complex problems across all industry lines, providing financial advisory services in distressed situations. Peter Kaufman is the principal of Gordian, heading the firm's restructuring and distressed M&A practice. A member of the ABI's board of directors, he has over 25 years' experience in solving complex financial challenges as both an investment banker and an attorney. He's a frequent guest on television on matters ranging to insolvency and corporate restructuring and is often cited in leading print publications. He earned an undergraduate degree from Yale and a law degree from the University of Virginia. Henry Osley is the CEO of Gordian which he co-founded in 1988, coming over from Goldman Sachs, where he founded the firm's workout group. He's been involved in many of the firm's major engagements and has extensive experience in a variety of financing, advisory, and merger transactions, as well as in expert witness engagements. Henry and Peter are the co-authors of Distress Investment Banking to the Abyss and Back, published in 2005. Henry received an undergraduate degree in engineering from Princeton and a master's from MIT. Welcome, Peter and Henry, to ABI Podcast. Thank you, Sam. Great to be here. In the current challenging economic environment, what are the goals of private equity firms when they enter the picture of a faltering company, and how might those goals change when you get in and find that there's not enough value to go around? Henry? Well, certainly in this cycle, we're seeing a an increased desire by private equity firms to obtain as much recovery as they can from any given situation. Uh, In the past, many private equity firms may have been very concerned about their relationship with their creditor body because of other deals that were in and other uh, prospective uh, financings that they were looking to accomplish. However, in this cycle, given the the problems that they've had with losses and some criticisms by some of their limited partners, they are indeed becoming more aggressive in trying to eke out uh, incremental returns, which in turn create the desire by many private equity firms to pursue a more aggressive approach and uh, seek to to obtain returns for old equity, even when uh, the creditors may still be out of the money. Peter, do you have any other thoughts on that? No, I just wanted to follow it along. And and that, in turn, uh, plays right to Gordian Group's strength in this cycle, Sam, because we are really about the only outfit out there that is unconflicted when it comes to giving zealous, creative, and unconflicted advice 
to a PE firm that has uh, creditors, uh, particularly if they have bondholder creditors, about how to maximize their value here even when they're buried under what we like to call mount debt and even when the creditors uh, are not going to get uh, a recovery in full. So how do you uh, attack that kind of problem that recurs when you go to acquire a portfolio company? There are a couple of different ways of looking at it. One is if you're on the buy side, and the other is if you are the current owner of a portfolio company seeking to maximize uh, your recovery. Uh, Let me address both of those. Number one is if you are a buyer and you are dealing with an underwater situation, you know, it does create some interesting dynamics. Number one is you can link arms with the old private equity firm who may be underwater, agree with them to give a certain recovery, and link arms, as I said, to impose a deal on the creditors that may not have them getting recovery in full. Alternately, you can, you know, as has always been the case, seek to do a deal with the creditors at whatever price you can um, agree to and impose a, a deal on old equity. Conversely, if you are on the old private equity side and you're trying to sell the company because you think that's the best way out in selling to a strategic The first door I mentioned is the way to possibly go. We've employed it several times ourselves, which is to cut a deal with the buyer and, you know, seek to obtain a healthy return by creatively putting forth a set of carrots and sticks that encourages the bondholder group to allow the deal to close, even though they're not receiving 100 cents. Yeah, and, and Sam, uh, if the private equity firm is interested, uh, this is when they've got their portfolio company that's in trouble, you know, we preach optionality. It isn't simply go down one path, for instance, let's go sell, talk about selling the company. It's create options for yourself. And there are lots of options. Uh, every situation is obviously different, but, but generically there are a lot of options that can be available to, uh, to a private equity firm that's trying to maximize their value in an underwater uh, portfolio company. They can wait it out, try and grow back into their capital structure, which you know can be a viable consideration to pursue if uh, the creditors are willing, and that uh, if the company needs further liquidity, the private equity firm is happy to provide it. But you know some folks think that that may be called good money after bad if you're buried under Mount Debt at that point. The most benign thing they can do is just turn over the keys. Henry talked about how that's not really happening in the current environment the way it did in, uh, in, in prior cycles. They could try and engineer a financial restructuring that's very favorable to them, and uh, this is one of the things we love. And this is where they can you know, claw back into the money through capital structure engineering, potentially over uh, unwilling creditors or on the backs of unwilling creditors. And this is you know, where they can really get the most bang for their buck, uh, whether they're putting up new money or not. It's also something that's going to ruffle the most uh, creditor feathers. What's the uh, current landscape in terms of available financing? We had a period of excess liquidity, I suppose, and and then a period of a restriction uh, on on credit being available. Uh, What what is the uh, landscape out there right now? 
and how do you deal with the, the changes uh, that you're facing when you're trying to go through the options? Well, the, the availability of capital right now uh, is very high. And in part, that is caused by the government artificially crunching short-term rates to virtually zero. So that there's a lot of investors out there seeking yield and doing deals that we believe will, in retrospect, look a little silly. So this is a repeat of what we saw a few years ago in terms of bad deals getting done simply because there's a lot of money washing around the system and no returns, save for highly um, speculative investments. So, you know, this is in, in turn going to continue to fuel somewhat of a speculative cycle right now. How long this lasts, difficult to predict. There are some changes that are going to have to, uh, people will have to deal with uh, down the road. There are a significant number of debt maturities uh, in the corporate sector coming in 2011, 12, and 13. And it's unclear, based on where profits are right now, whether those maturities are going to be able to be refinanced or whether we're looking at a significant wave of restructurings uh, during that time period. So uh, lather, rinse, repeat. It certainly seems that way. People have a very short memory in the financial world, and you know, as long as investors are giving uh, institutions money to do what they will with, they're you know throwing at anything that moves. And the uh, creativity uh, becomes more paramount in a period of of not having that kind of uh, excess money available. I take it. Well, you know something. It, it's not. It's not just uh, when there's no money available. Creativity is is important, even in this cycle, because uh, while the the system is awash in liquidity, as Henry outlined, uh, it's not always available in each of these situations, and it's not always available when you know a company, a private equity firm, wants to continue to try and control a situation. Because if somebody wants to put in new money on a hostile basis, well, they can buy the the debt. Uh, and, and step into the shoes of the creditors, but that doesn't necessarily change some of the restructuring dynamics and weapons that a PE firm who's willing to be aggressive might be able to bring to bear in a given situation. What are the ingredients that can result in a superior uh, private equity firm recovery versus uh, a uh, de minimis market recovery? There, there are a few big benchmarks. You know, number one, Will the PE firm put up new money in connection with the restructuring or not? Uh, if they will, that's a real tool for success. Uh, if they won't, then you're going to require more creativity and likely aggressiveness in order to climb up uh, Mount Debt. Are they willing to be aggressive, accept creative advice, and run the risk that they might ruffle uh, some feathers? If they're not willing to do that, particularly if they're not willing to put up new money, then they're not going to get a very good recovery. What are the views of valuation here today and, and a, on a go-forward basis? That valuation views are paramount in everything we do, and certainly in this type of work, which we've been doing a lot of, frankly. And that's going to underpin all of your strategic thinking, and it can have a lot of ramifications. What are the particulars of the documents underpinning the financial instruments that comprise Mount Debt? 
you know, those are very important. What are the weaknesses that can be exploited, and does the PE firm have a willingness to try and do that? And is there any non-cash value that a PE firm can credibly argue it brings to the party on a go-forward basis? Are they are they viewed as having some magic Coke formula about managing or overseeing a particular business where even though the performance may have fallen off lately, the creditors might believe that they'll be better off down the road with these people still involved or not. That's, you know, that, that's a, a short laundry list of what can make the difference between good and bad outcomes. Henry? No, I agree with that. And how quickly can you identify those benchmarks is that where the skill is in, in assessing uh, that this isn't going to work in the long term and that therefore we've, we've got to do something else? Or does it take longer for the, for the picture to, to get clearer? Mary, why don't you go first? Yeah, I think in most cases this is uh, a matter of experience. Uh, we've certainly been around the block for almost uh, 30 years each in this, in this business. And, you know, based on our experience, what we've seen it doesn't take a terribly long time to size up the dynamics of a situation to get a handle on valuation and based on that and the capital structure and the uh, documentation issues that Peter has referred to to understand how the dynamics are going to unfold. And based on that, we can advise our clients on the best ways to manage their optionality in order to take advantage of the negotiating process. There is a common thread, Sam, between private equity firms and the more you know, um, non-private equity uh, corporate clients that we advise, and that's uh, people don't really want to fess up and face up that there's a potential issue. And um, I talked earlier about how we preach optionality. The sooner a board of directors, whether it's a PE firm or a, or a public company, takes a hard look and says, look, we, we have some issues now financially, capital structure-wise, liquidity-wise, business-wise, and they could get worse. The sooner that they develop some credible options, the more viable the options they're, they're going to have. Uh, it, it, it often becomes a bet-the-ranch strategy if you sit there sort of ostrich-like and just assume everything's going to go well, and if it doesn't, then down the road you'll have wished you started much earlier developing some credible options. What do you uh, see as the outlook for uh, distressed investment banking opportunities, uh, short-term, long-term, and what, uh, what factors w- would go into changing that landscape? We see an enormous uh, amount of deal flow coming out of the private equity community in the next several years, particularly as the maturities are referred to earlier come to pass. And that's in the corporate sector. In the securitization sector, we see a lot more work still coming out of the residential mortgage market. And as we move forward in this cycle, there will be a greater amount of work coming out of the commercial mortgage sector as well. So both in the corporate side and in the securitization side, I think that there there will be very little let up in demand for uh, restructuring services. And I also think that's independent of the macro growth trends in the economy because there are cross-currents in the economic cycle 
these days where one industry may do okay and another industry may do just poorly. And so, you know, in an environment where there is this kind of change going on, uh, I think that change will reverberate into different fortunes for different industries. I also think that you've seen a lot of what's called in the common parlance uh, amend and pretend, amend and extend mm-hmm. from uh, banks and creditor groups. And I think that as the, as the uh, system unclogs a little bit, the, the economy perks up a little bit, uh, I think that in a strange sort of way you're going to see more uh, activity in distressed land because I think banks are going to be start to be you know perhaps more aggressive in thinking that maybe there'll be more financeable buyers, uh, maybe there's something that we can do here rather than just sit on our hands. So uh, I think the, the, the wheels of commerce might be lubricated a little bit more in distress uh, by, a, by, by a somewhat improvement in, in the economy. Well, I'm here based in, uh, in Washington, so of course we always uh, look at the world uh, from that uh, kind of uh, Potomac uh, view. Is there uh, some role uh, for government in changing uh, that landscape for distress investing that we're talking about? I mean, we're on the verge of passing some uh, financial services overhaul bill. Uh, I mean, do things like that matter? Uh, Obviously, interest rates matter. Um, How can Washington uh, affect uh, the environment for, for doing what you do? I agree. I agree. Uh, Washington is always fighting the last war, no question. It's it's pretty clear there's no single formula for uh, success in the kinds of situations that that you all uh, deal in, but uh, having a seasoned team of professionals is essential to achieving the optimal recoveries. That's pretty clear as well. We are out of time for today, uh, but I want to thank our guests, Peter Kaufman and Henry Owsley, for sharing their insights on demystifying this process a little bit. You can listen uh, to more than 80 podcasts at our website at abiworld.org. And until next time then, this is ABI Executive Director Sam Giordano saying good day.